Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Thursday, July 30th, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing, Adioye Jr. And joining me is twitch.tv slash zombie kills. Zombie, how's it going? It's going pretty chill, you know? It's a really chill Thursday for 2020, you know? Yeah, thanks Thanks so much for joining me. I, I hit you up very randomly and was like, yo, we got to get you on Kind of Funny <laughs> Games Daily. Uh, because me and you, we were on an episode of Spawn on Me a few months ago. And you were amazing. Everybody on that show was amazing, right? And I yeah, want everybody on that show to be on KFGD for the most part. Um, and most people on that show actually have been on KFGD. Um, but yeah, like, you know, you've been on What's Good Games. You've been making the rounds. And I was like, yo, we got to get zombie kills on KFGD because she's been killing it. And so welcome. I'm I'm super pumped to be here. You know, I was really worried about corrupting you, but here we are. I mean, Listen, if that's the road we're going to go down, I'm, I'm, I'm down to do it. Tonight. I do multiple podcasts with Greg Miller every single week. And so <laughs> I don't think there's I don't think there's a certain person that can corrupt me more than that man has and does. And so I'm, you're, well, you're totally I'm good. up to the challenge. I'm up to the challenge, Greg Miller. <laughs> Let's see what we can do here. So for people who, who might not be familiar with you, who are you? What do you do? I am a Twitch streamer and a blacktivist. Uh, I like to do a lot of talking about things that are important to me. I'm very, very loud about what I think is right. We talk about a lot of political stuff. And we also, you know, sometimes get down, get a little drunk and play some games. Yeah. I, so I tuned into your stream, I want to say earlier this week. Uh, and I don't know if you want to talk about this at all. But you were doing like this, uh, like a fundraiser type of thing for yeah. a store in your area. Uh, do you want yeah. to talk about what that was? Sure. Yeah. So there's a comic book shop here. It's the only black owned comic book shop in the state of Mississippi. Um, and it is owned by my lovely friend, Philip Young Venom Rollins. He's a really cool guy. And they're struggling because of COVID, as most businesses are. But it's not just a comic book shop. It is also a place where live music happens. We also host uh, comedians come in. We also sell minority art. So like Anybody black who's making art in the city and they want to sell it, we have them have their art gallery there. So it's really, really cool. And so we've been trying to raise money to help keep them open. I do it once a month. We do a live music showcase and we have producers come make beats and we just get really fucking black <laughs> and celebrate our culture and just like do hip hop and talk about nerd shit, you know, weeb stuff, mm -hmm. straight up comic book shit. Like it's 100 percent. We give away stuff as we raise money. We raised nine hundred dollars last Sunday. Wow. Which was great. Uh, we gave, a, gave away a Vegito. And what is it? Piccolo? I'm not that big of a weeb, okay? No, not, is it uh, Vegeta or Vegito? Because there's a big difference. Vegito is like the fusion with Patara and that's Goku and Vegeta having a baby, basically. You Vegeta said a whole is, bunch of words. You said yes. a whole bunch of words. I don't know where you're going with this. Did, <laughs> like, did, did it have earrings on it? On them? Is the, is the main question. Wow, I don't know. Okay, it might, okay, okay, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody in this chat probably knows from the show, and they could tell us. Wait, <laughs> but so yeah, we're we're raising money for them, and we do it once a month. If you tune in, guys, if you uh, check out Offbeat on their Offbeat JXN on Twitter, check them out. Order some shit. Put some cool stuff in your house. Blessing, your house looks way too classy in the background here. I'm seeing a very classy bed. Like, I mean, I, don't know if I you have a bunch of weave stuff. It's very classy. I have, I have a, I don't know if you can see it in the stream. Oh, no, I don't think you can see it in the stream because <laughs> I'm cropped. But I have like a cloud plushie over there. I got my, my yeah. like light up PlayStation symbols right here. Uh, I'm, I'm trying, I've, I've been trying to figure out how I can spice up my room. Because okay, because your room looks very grown man. It looks like you're studying to be a doctor. And that's that's the big thing, right? Like my <laughs> walls are pretty much empty. And that, it's a mixture of a couple of things, right? <laughs> when I moved down here to, to SF, uh, I was going to, the, the house I'm living in right now, the plan was to be here very temporarily because right. the goal was, hey, 
we're going to get Blessing down to San Francisco. And then from there, he can, like, find his own place or do his own thing or stay here if he wants to. Um, but, like, that was the big plan. And so right now I'm staying in Kevin's sister place. Kevin, of course, is our producer on the show uh, most of the time. I'm staying at his sister's place. Uh, and, you know, COVID happened. And so, like, with that, I, that kind of threw out my plans to, to move out uh, in a timely fashion. And so I've been stuck here. And it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I could, like, decorate the room. I could make this room my own. But yeah. I don't necessarily have plans to be here, like, forever, right? Like, I, I've been planning to move forever. It but looks I'm, like I'm an Airbnb stuck. from, like, a slave plantation. <laughs> like, you got a fucking fireplace in the back. You got a it's fireplace. A you got a bed from, like, the 1900s. Like... It's a vibe. You look like it, a it young is. doctor. It's a vibe. It's. I mean, I I see it. I see it though. I'm here. The thing for that's it. nice about this room though is that it's very big. Like that is like the 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 main thing. Because Nick Scarpino, whenever I'm on on I'm on camera with Nick Scarpino, he's always like, "Dude, is your room big or is that just the perspective?" No, this room is huge. Yeah, it uh, looks huge. Nice. It looks giant. Like it yeah. looks like like a twenty by fifteen foot room. Like I'm into it. Before we actually transition into the actual show, though, uh, I, I want you to be able to pimp your, your Twitch as much as possible. And so, like, twitch.tv slash zombiekills where people can follow you. That's zombiekills spelled uh, Z-O-M-B-A-E-K-I-L-L-Z. If people, wa- people are going to watch your content, what can they expect from your channel? Chaotic energy. Big chaotic black energy. <laughs> That's how I would describe. If you've never heard of me before, it's big, loud, chaotic black energy. You might tune in and we might be doing some self-help shit with a licensed clinical psychologist. You might tune in and we might be saying, you know, damn the man, let's overthrow the government. You might tune in and we might be playing video games. You know, so like it really is just me being myself all the time. And my content reflects who I am. It might be about activism, which I'm very, very vocal about. It might be about taking care of yourself and protecting your space and uh, caring about people because I also really, really love people very, very much. Or it might be about just getting drunk and you know jamming to the You About to Lose Your Job video remix. Who knows? We don't know. It's a mixed bag. There you go. Twitch.tv slash kills. Go give her a follow. Go give her support. But enough about that. Let's talk about is E3 still relevant? Uh, there's a new studio coming from the, vo- the folks behind Bulletstorm and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when you get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for Kind of Funny Games daily. To be a part of the show, head to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames with bronze members or above, get to write in, and silver members or above, get the show ad-free with the exclusive daily post show. Except today, we're actually not having a, a post show. I think Greg posted a, a, a blog post on uh, Patreon to explain why, but essentially because of, because of scheduling conflict uh, and because we got we, we to gotta have a clean tra- transition from this show to the next uh, because we're having Major Nelson on. Uh, this episode in particular will not have a post show, so just a heads up. Um, but enough about that. Let's get into housekeeping. It is Major Nelson Weekend here on Kind of Funny. That means today you can join Greg Major Nelson for We Have Cool Friends. That's happening live right after this live episode of KFGD on twitch.tv slash Games and later on youtube.com slash kindoffunny and on your podcast services for We Have Cool Friends. Friday, that's tomorrow, Major Nelson joins Greg for Kind of Funny Games Daily, so, t- so tune in for that. And then Saturday, Major Nelson joins Noek Mike and Alana Pierce for the Kind of Funny X-Cast. Again, that is all going down right here on Twitch. YouTube.com says Kind of Funny, YouTube.com says Kind of Funny Games, and on podcast services around the globe. 
Thank you to our Patreon producers, Mom and Muhammad, Momo, and Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by Brooklinen, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have five stories today. A baker's dozen. Starting with our number one, Zombie Kills, I have a question for you. Yeah. Is E3 still relevant? The reason why I'm asking you this question is, is because I have an article here from Matthew Handrahan of GamesIndustry.biz who writes about how big publisher showcases didn't suffer from absence uh, from the absence of E3. The article reads as follows. Major, major publishers have not struggled to get attention for their announcements in the absence of E3, according to a new report from Superdata. The analyst firm gathered data from Twitch following online showcases uh, from both PlayStation and Ubisoft this year and found a higher level of engagement than similar broadcasts associated with live events. The PlayStation 5 reveal on June 11th was watched by an average of 1.51 million people at any given minute of the live broadcast, much higher than the Xbox briefing at E3 2019. It should be noted that Sony didn't have a presence at E3 2019 and had not planned and had not planned to attend this year's event before it was canceled. In a statement, the company said, quote, we do not feel the vision of E3 2020 is the right venue for what we're focused on this year, end quote. Superdata highlighted a similar trend in audience engagement for Ubisoft Forward on July 12th. It attracted an average of 1.02 million uh, a minute during the, live, <clears throat> during the live broadcast versus 0.75 million viewers during Ubisoft's presentation at E3 2019. Superdata noted that the audience was given an incentive to watch, however, in the form of a free, free copy of Watch Dogs 2 on PC. Even so, Ubisoft attracted 60% more viewers during, than during E3 2019. However, while Superdata noted that big publishers like PlayStation and Ubisoft seem capable of creating the same or even greater levels of interest around their products, that isn't the case for, any, for every company that attends E3. Quote, for example, the PC gaming show, which focuses mainly on a wide range of indie to mid-sized games, experienced lower live viewership on its official stream in 2020 than in 2019, Super Data said. So to condense, condense this all together, right, basically viewership is larger this year than, than last year for, quote, E3-style showcases, except for when it comes to the smaller stuff like PC uh, game showcase. Zombie, how does that read to you? Do you feel like E3 is still a necessity nowadays? You know what? Okay, can I be real? Can we be real? Go for it. All right, it's bullshit. We're all trapped in our damn houses. Of course they're going to be watching more people are going to be watching live streams. We can't leave. Like, <laughs> we're all watching because we can't leave. We don't got shit else to do. Of course they're, like, pulling better numbers. Like, to put mm. out articles like this just seems incredibly redundant and, like, they're trying to get as much engagement as possible. E3 is human interaction. That's what it's about. It's about getting people engaged in gaming. So to like sit here and act like that is not worth anything, especially in a time where I feel like we now know how much human interaction really is, is so important. Human interaction is lit. We've been sitting in our houses having zero human interaction. While I know like five of us are thriving, the rest of us are about to like yeet ourselves off the planet. So E3 has a place for me. I want to go touch and play with games. I want to see my friends. I want to have a good time. I want to play video games and see these incredible, you know, setups that they have and just like enjoy myself to, to think and to put it down that live streaming is where it's at. It's just not. And it's, and it's kind of bullshit that they put out these articles, to be fair. Y'all find something better to write about. I think I think there's a push and pull because I think yeah. you're right in the sense that a big part of this is 
yeah, we're all stuck at home. Like, there's also like there, we also see numbers being higher for video games being played, right? Especially since quarantine started, because folks are, folks are stuck at home. Uh, uh, people are looking for things to do. I think that is then going to lead to things like streaming numbers being higher. I think that's been I think that's been true for Twitch across the board as far as yeah. where numbers have been at. And so I think what you're saying there is one hundred percent true. I also think what you're saying as far as the the value of uh, being there in person and what the push and pull of that is going to be is also very uh, 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 that's correct. Like the, the, I think that's the big struggle when it comes to what is the future of what these showcases and what E3 uh, is going to be. Because yeah, like the one thing that isn't replaceable as far as E3 is concerned is game demos. And this has been an interesting yeah. summer to see how uh, publishers and developers are, are going about trying things out, right? Like I've had demos that I play. Well, I've had quite a few demos now over the summer, right? right. And it's been interesting, interest, interesting to see the different ways they've been handled. I've, I've had demos where they're, they've been done over NVIDIA GeForce Now, the streaming service, right? And I am playing a game, but the, that comes with lag, that comes with uh, the, the complication of setup and scheduling and all this different stuff. I've also had demos where it is, hey, you're sitting down and you're watching, you're like on Discord and you're watching video of the developer playing through their game. Right, I've had that. I've had cases where it is, um, all right, we're gonna give you an, an executable that you can play the game through. Um, but like, we're gonna sit you down on Discord, give you the presentation that way. You are gonna demo the game for an hour and a half, and we're gonna shut down uh, the demo experience after you're done with that. Like, there have been a, there have been quite a few different ways that developers have skirted around that, but none of it I feel like is as easy or hits like the natural. Uh, um, no, nothing feels as natural as being able to show up to an actual demo in person and and go in and go out and have your have everything just be done there. And so I think you're you're right on that point. Yeah, and just being a streamer, we're supposed to introduce people to the world of games, right? Like, so those kind of events are focused towards people in our industry. Being able to to do that and have that magic makes us able to be enthusiastic about selling it for them. So mm. yeah, I think they're missing out on a couple of things there, but. I mean, it's good to know we can do it virtually and that people don't have to blow ridiculous amounts of money that they can't afford to go to these exclusive type of events. So it's like a win-win. I, I feel you. Yeah. Well, that's where that, I think that's where again, like the push and pull comes in because like, I think as far as what these numbers say and, and as far as what, what the article is kind of getting at here, like when it comes to, when it comes to money, for example, right? Like not, not having to pay for an E3 presence, I think it's going to be huge for developers is gonna be huge for publishers. Uh, that is very much incentive not to show up, especially when you can prove that, hey, like our streaming numbers are just as good, if not better, without E3. Uh, I think all of this makes that conversation interesting. And I'm curious to see in a world post COVID or in a world where we're not all stuck at home and we've kind of gotten past this wave, what does this look like in, in, in 2021? In fact, I'll ask you that question. Do you have any predictions on what 2021 is going to be like around the same time? Do you think we're going to go back uh, to, to E3 being the big event? Or do you think we've moved past that? I don't think we're going to be doing shit in 2021 because people won't wear masks. Uh, so <laughs> I think we're going to have to talk about 2022 if we're just being real. I don't I don't mm -hmm. think I don't foresee anything happening next year. I think that we're all really looking forward to next year. But numbers wise, we don't have anything to support that. So, yeah, I think we're going to have to reimagine a lot of things uh, and see what it's going to look like. But I do hope that they move things into a way that's more accessible. Because for me, I know there's a lot of paywalls in gaming, and I'm sure you know that too. 
there's a lot of paywalls to be going to E3 and everything. And I feel like uh, making it more accessible, making gaming more accessible financially for people is such a big thing for me because I want everyone to love and play games and it not be hidden behind these expensive things. And so if they can make E3 something that's like a huge virtual con and we can get all kinds of stuff, I would love to see that. I think that's the evolution of gaming is more accessibility for people. Um, but I don't think we're going to have uh, for a couple of years the same wonderful things that people look forward to. Like I've never been mm. to one. Like I was super hyped to go this year, and now I'm like, I don't know, man. Yeah, <laughs> when we get, when are we going to get it? Like when are we going to go? So you know, we'll have to meet up, blessing, and give each other hugs once you know the rest of the world decides to start wearing masks again. So we can. I mean, do one hundred percent to that. I think this the next few years is going to be very interesting because I don't think E3 is going to come back and be the exact same as it has been. I think with the success we're seeing publishers and, and big companies have with with streaming, it is going to be a big mix of, like, I don't think E3 is dead, necessarily. I don't think E3 is completely going anywhere currently. Um, but when E3 does make a comeback, I think it'll be a mixture, right? Like, I think we'll see, I think we'll see companies do demos there. I think we'll see uh, presentations align with E3. But... I wouldn't be surprised to see like if a Ubisoft, for example, were like, hey, July worked out super well, super well for us. Look at the numbers we're getting in July compared to in June when we are uh uh you know going going up against PlayStation and Microsoft and Square Enix and all these other and EA and all these other big companies that are competing uh to get your marketing out there and get your advertising out there. Like when you look at the numbers for Ubisoft Forward, there seems to be value in owning your own event. That said, I think the PC gaming showcase example in the article is very it, it, it's very interesting because I think a show like that whole like I, I think that having connection to something like E3, yeah, is gonna be very good for that show. I'm sure like for the kind of funny game showcase or for uh similar sized things, right? Like having some sort of thing that brings them together. And that could be E3, that could also be the uh, Jeff Keeley Summer Games Games Fest, right? Like a sort of a, a sort of um uh, I'll say governing body, but like some sort of co connecting factor to bring these events together in order to hype people up, in order to to give people something to look forward to, condensed into one week or one weekend or two weeks, whatever that time frame may be. I think it's super valuable. I think I I think I, I think oh, we're going to see that idea. Be, be different. I love that idea. I think that would be incredible. Like that mm -hmm. that just just we we got to do some forward thinking. Things aren't the way they were last year, and I, we don't know when that's going to change, but. Forward yeah. thinking and doing this kind of stuff is incredibly valuable. And the longer we're stuck at home, the more clever these companies got to be for us, right? Like they got to mm. they gotta razzle-dazzle us with the stuff like the Ubi Ford event. They really hit us with that hard. I was not expecting that from them. So I feel like the more they, they do these kind of things and they send out these kind of little things to press things for us, we'll have more fun. But yeah, I think it's evolving. I think we have to. Now, speaking of these big publisher presentations, I got a story here about uh, Halo Infinite showing at the Microsoft Game Showcase. Story number two, a Halo developer responds to criticism about the game's graphics. This is from Andy Robinson at Video Games Chronicle. Since his gameplay reveal last week, Halo Infinite's visual fidelity has in, in particular faced widespread criticism from both media, fans, and even big brands, who have highlighted issues with both the game's art direction and perceived lack of advancement since the last Halo game. Xbox has since claimed the footage shown last week was from a work-in-progress build and would improve. However, responding to a fan on Twitter, the game's narrative, narrative experience director offered a response that was more apologetic in tone. 
Asked about the negative reaction to Infinite's graphics, Dan Chosik, or Kosik, I don't know how to pronounce that name. I'm going to say Kosik. Dan Kosik wrote, quote, I've been in your shoes. I know what it's like to have expectations built and feel let down. I want you to know that your voice matters and is heard. You're not falling on deaf ears. I always want want to live up to the legacy that Bungie pioneered. I personally care about honoring that, end quote. At the time of publishing, the tweet had been liked by several 343 Industries employees, including Halo Infinite's associate associate creative director. Uh, Zombie Kills, are you are you into Halo? Were you into Halo Infinite's uh, presentation? <laughs> I must say, I must double be so real. Here comes the hate in the chat. I thought it looked like trash. I know the game was expensive to make. <laughs> Everybody's gonna start like burning fires at my house, pitchforks. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, for as expensive as the game is rumored to have been, I felt upset. <laughs> I felt upset. Really? From like I felt the gameplay demo? From the the gameplay demo looked like the same game that we've seen before, y'all. We're shooting stuff in space. We're space guys shooting up stuff. Okay, y'all? Like, <laughs> blessing. Mm-hmm. You could not have looked at that man's face up close. Like, he looked real cool when he was holographic. But then when they made him come to life, I was like, this is trash. Hot garbage. Then the pilot looked like he was janky. It looked like a Nintendo 64 game. I was upset. I was very upset. Uh, if it's in that condition, they should have hit us like the other, you know, people hit us with the really cool cinematic trailer. You know, mm-hmm. hit us with a dope cinematic trailer. Don't show us the game. <laughs> If it's gonna be better, y'all should have y'all should have held it close to the chest. A little more hype around Halo couldn't hurt, right? But yeah, I feel like they definitely messed me up. I feel like they messed me up. Uh, but I feel like they heard it and they were like, "Ooh, snap! We got fixes because these Halo people are super pissed and they're not gonna pay us if we don't get this game tight." So I feel like there's a lot of panic probably going on behind the scenes, and somebody probably might have gotten fired. We don't know. <laughs> somebody's probably pissed though is like okay we got to take these n64 graphics and make them worthy of this new super box that they built us that they kept taking apart the whole damn demo they took apart that xbox like 300 times during that Mm -hmm. demo and i feel like if they gonna sell that to us blessing i just i'm gonna need them to i want to shoot people in space with the rest of everybody else i want to blow up stuff with my friends just make it look cooler just See, make it I, look a little cooler. I thought the gameplay demo looked great. I thought the screenshots that came out afterwards were like, oh, I don't know how the, I don't know <laughs> about this one. Because like I think in motion that game looked fine. It didn't, it definitely, I think, let down in terms of all right, what do you expect from a big next gen experience? Like it doesn't look it the game to me doesn't necessarily look like the 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 uh big showcase for what next gen power can do as far as like graphical fidelity i thought the gameplay looked fun like i thought like them you know running around doing the grappling hook stuff the open world stuff all that stuff i thought uh looked super fun to play but i i am on the side of like yeah this doesn't this doesn't necessarily strike me as something that is pushing the power of, of the console as far as as it can go and i don't know if that's like too high of expectations especially for this early in the uh in the in the console cycle like you know we don't necessarily get those console defining experiences until like later on but even still right like i as far as as far as the gameplay demo i didn't necessarily have as much issue um that said i mean and and this is me being honest on my side i don't get the statements that they're making they're making out of out of Microsoft. Uh, Aaron Greenberg, 
earlier earlier on we talked about this on the show uh talked about how like yes this is a work in progress build like you can expect it to look better i don't get i don't understand that statement like i don't like i don't want i don't that's to me and i'm not a i'm not a video game developer but as far as i understand that's not necessarily how video game development works when it comes to one when it comes to marketing your game but then also like when it comes to the game that's coming out in uh in november presumably right like you don't necessarily layer on new assets over and over again until things look amazing, right? Like you're not if this game is gonna have, and they actually did announce that the, the game is gonna get ray tracing later on. But like if a game if a game is gonna have ray tracing in it, you'd imagine that in the marketing material for the game, you'd have that displayed in some sort of way. Like I feel like there's more to it than than it's a work in progress build, which is the thing that confuses me. I think the statement that they're giving here is better than the Aaron Greenberg statement, right? The Dan coming out and being like, yeah, I've been in your shoes. I know what it's like to have your expect- expectations built and feel let down. I want to, I want you to know that we hear you and, you're, and um, your criticisms aren't falling on, on deaf ears, right? I think, like, I think that makes more sense in the, fact, in, the, in the idea that Halo Infinite and the way that they've been building it is not going to be one and done. This is a game that is going to be building for the next however many years, right? I think there's a state, there's a quote out there that's like, it, we're, this game is, is a platform for the next 10 years or so. I don't know if they said 10 exactly, but they've talked about how this game is going to be building over the future. With that being the case, I don't see it being out of the realm that the game looks better and better and better as the console generation goes on. Like, I don't think that is necessarily out the realm of possibility, especially with us knowing that ray tracing is coming after launch at some, some point. Um, and so with that, yeah, if the game comes out and we're we're all playing it to get together and we're all like, "Ooh, this doesn't look as great as I wanted it to." I don't think that's the I don't think that's going to be the end of the world for Halo, especially when we could expect it to to look better down the line. I don't think people care. We just want to shoot shit with our friends, right? Like, let's be real. We want to shoot shit with our friends. We all do. We all want to blow stuff up with our friends and we want to hang out with space dudes and blow up aliens and the grapple hook punch was amazing. Like right? you can't you that was my highlight when he grappled to that dude's face and then hit him. I was like, I'm sold. But also, we can't be out here pushing these like it's a graphic heavy game. Let's just chill out on pushing that this is gonna be the best looking game on Xbox and let's just uh, mm-hmm. appreciate Halo because right now I'm looking at that Miles Morales Spider Man joint going, look at what they're doing over there on Sony on <laughs> Sony, and this is what we got. So I'm a little well, upset. To your point of like, let's just appreciate Halo though. I think, I think that plays into the idea, and this is the thing that I've been kind of trying to keep in mind as I've been watching gameplay demos and as I've been looking forward to next gen. Power doesn't always necessarily have to reflect in graphical fidelity, and I I I think console power can reflect in ways that you know aren't as obvious to us as a player. And so, like with Halo Infinite, right? Like you see how open those environments are. Uh, uh, like you, you, like you, you see how like how well the game plays, how smooth it is, how like all all these different things, right? Like the power of the Xbox Series X can reflect in ways that go beyond. Hey, look how crisp these models look. Hey, look how fucking clean the 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 air is in this game. Look how amazing the ray tracing looks. The yeah. power can reflect in ways that are. Hey, look how open and free this game is. Look how good this game plays. P- power plays into that too. And I'm and I, I understand that. you want the you want the best of both worlds. In a perfect world, I can get a beautiful game that plays amazingly. Um, but sometimes, especially in game development, right, you have to sacrifice one thing to improve another. Like that's how processing power works. And so, you know, I again, I expect this game to look 
good because it's Halo and because it's their premier product and all all this stuff. But again, for me, it's not necessarily the end all be all for what Halo Infinite is. Yeah, I'm agreeing. I agree with that. Speaking of big AAA shooters, story number three, People Can Fly, the developers behind Bulletstorm and Outriders, is working on a new next-gen game. Uh, this is a press release on their website. We're excited to announce the development of a new AAA original title planned for release on the next generation of consoles, streaming platforms, and PCs. The new project will be led by People Can Fly's New York studio, which plans to hire dozens of new staff over the next year. Led by studio head David Grins, I'm going to say Grins, it's spelled G-R-I, or G-R, yeah, G-R-I-J-N-S, which is, I've never seen that before, Grins, and creative director Roland Lesterlin, People Can Fly in New York will work hand-in-hand with a sister studio in Warsaw, oh, they are really. They're, I think I feel like you're being punked. Warsaw <laughs> Rizzazow, uh in Newcastle to build highly ambitious groundbreaking. If you're from Rizzazow, I apologize. I've just never seen them before. <laughs> uh, to build highly ambitious groundbreaking action adventure titles uh, that take uh, that take people can fly's nearly two decades of d- development expertise in a new direction. To match the scale of the new project, People Can Fly will grow its New York studio over the next 12 to 18 months, and additionally open a new a new startup studio in Montreal. Quote, there is electricity in the air at People Can Fly, said Sebastian, the CEO at People Can Fly. He continues, last year, we announced the the opening of our New York studio and revealed Outriders for the first time. Today, we have surpassed 250 staff and are excited to announce the next chapter in the development of our company. Our intention from the beginning has been to expand People Can Fly into a multi-project studio and continue to build a, a global presence for our brand. With the launch of the next generation of consoles later this year, we are incredibly excited about about the future of People Can Fly and the year or, and the games industry as a whole. End quote. Uh, and this is a different quote. Quote: It's rare to ever get a chance to work on an original AAA game in today's world. Never mind being a part of the origination process," said Roland Lesterlin, creative director at People Can Fly New York. We're looking for brilliant and curious people to help help us shape the vision of this incredible new world we're building. So that's exciting stuff. I don't know if you played Bulletstorm or, or well, I guess Outriders isn't out yet, but I don't know if you have any interest in, in Outriders. I, I don't, but I'll say this. The way they worded that made me feel like I needed to check out whatever they're doing. It was worded well. It was like, mm-hmm. come check it out. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be wonderful. Like, all right, cool. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Yeah, I really love this press release because they're, they're talking about how, like, yeah, like it's not a triple A studios are, are, uh, few and far between as far as like especially AAA studios that get to do things on their own like Outriders I think is published by Square Enix um, and so like they're still making games under different publishers and you can ex- probably expect the next game to be published by like some big publisher right if Square Enix or like a an Activision or whatever it may be um, but the fact that they they say here right they get to be part of the, the origination process um, that's really cool that we're going to get original triple-a games from a from a a studio that you know generally is is talented right like outriders we'll see i know andy previewed it and liked it bulletstorm i know i know quite a few people who love bulletstorm and so it's exciting news i'm excited to see it story number four riot ends a sponsorship with controversial saudi city neom following outcry uh this is andrew webster at the verge Less than a day after announcing that that the new controversial Saudi megacity Neom would become a major sponsor of the League of Legends uh, European Championship, Riot has reversed the decision. The news comes after after fans, LEC staff, and Riot employees criticized the decision. 
due largely to the Saudi government's long history of human rights abuses, which extends to the creation of Neom itself, a city billed as a kind of sci-fi wonderland. In a statement, Alberto Guerrero, riots, uh, riots director of esports for the EMEA region, said, quote, as a company and as a league, we know that it's important to recognize when we make mistakes and quickly work to correct them. After further reflection, while we remain steadfastly committed to all of our players and fans worldwide, including those living in Saudi Arabia and the Middle East, the LEC has ended its partnership with Neom effective immediately. In an effort to expand our esports ecosystem, uh, we moved too quickly to cement this partnership and caused rifts in the very community we seek to grow. While we missed our own expectations in this instance, we're committed to re-examining our internal structures to ensure this doesn't happen again, end quote. The LEC is one of the most popular professional gaming leagues in the world, and, follow the, and following the initial announcement, many staff spoke publicly about the decision to partner with the Saudi government. Quote, I can't and, I can't and do not personally support this partnership, Mark Yetter, lead gameplay designer on League of Legends said. Quote, Sponsors are essential for the esport to thrive, but not at the cost of human life and freedoms, end quote. The Saudi government appears to be using these kinds of esports sponsorships to burnish Neom's futuristic image. Outside of the LEC, the city has also announced a partnership with CSGO Competition Blast. Zombie Kills, I know that is a lot to take in. And this is oh, one no. of the ones where... I know this... a lot about it. You know that. Oh, do you really? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. that's actually perfect because I didn't know about this until Great. literally this morning. You ready to you ready to you ready to let me rip on it? Please. So they are executing people, intimidating people, prolonged detention, brutal torture, mounting executions, and silencing any voices uh, that speak out um, about how they're handling moving the Huwait tribe off of their land so they could keep building their mega city, and it's disgusting. Mm. Um, the human rights allegations which are not really allegations because these are these have been founded by multiple human rights organizations are astounding and any for any game company to be helping them polish this turd of a city um is disgusting and i personally as a person in games you know that i am not just a person in games i'm a person who's an activist and i care about human rights more than i care about games uh mm. it's a disgusting place neom is a disgusting place uh their government is incredibly oppressive. It's uh, anti-LGBTQIA, et cetera. They're murdering people. They're literally murdering people. And for CSGO to be uh, with them makes me want to make sure that I don't have anything to do with anybody that has anything to do with CSGO. You know, like, we need to do better in games. And I'm glad to see Riot taking a stand and doing that. Um, I think with what's been going on with Black Lives Matter, we've begun to see that people will stand up when they think things are wrong now mm -hmm. uh, in our industry and we've been doing better i've noticed a big change in people trying to do better so let's just continue to do better and not support companies uh that support these types of places uh and let's not polish up neom and make it a better place for sure but csgo can fuck right on off uh with this bullshit supporting these huge travesties but yeah they're trying to make they're killing people basically to make the tribe leave so they can keep polishing up their sci-fi city. Neom is a cool looking city, man. It's amazing. It's everything you want in the future, but it's at the cost of how many people are being killed. So mm -hmm. yeah, no. Yeah. It's nice to see them uh, back up off this and, 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 and cut ties. This is very much for me, reminiscent of the situation situation we had, I think it was last year. God, this year has felt like it's, it's been forever, but the whole blizzard um, uh, thing where they, they banned Blitzchung, 
um, because he was supporting uh, the protests going on. Uh, um, you know, this this very much this very much strikes me as similar to that. And I am glad to see that big companies are being held accountable uh, when they when they fuck up like this or when they when they support like pure corruption like this. And so you love to see it. You love to see you it. Love I hope to see it. Yeah. I hope CSGO follows suit. As us being brown people, like you and I sitting right here, two black people in the games industry, what we've seen after our spawn on me, you know, episode came out, mm-hmm. we've seen people hold themselves accountable. We've seen companies do this. Good on you, Riot. But I mean, like, it's also still the bare minimum to not be involved with human rights atrocities. Like, yeah. but good on you for reversing the decision. Now let's work on CSGO. We can't take the pressure off their necks. I know that we're supposed to allow room for improvement. And some people say we got to, you know, slather a lot of grace on, but there's not a lot of grace for people uh, that are, that are being killed and being murdered right now. So we should be, we should really be focused on that guys and practice smart consumerism, practice yeah. smart consumerism. And I, I think you make a good point also talking about the spot on me podcast and, ta- and talking about like the, the things that followed and the reactions from that, because like, I think this is a very good point of what being vocal can do. You know, if people are if people aren't speaking up, if Mark Yetter, the lead gameplay designer here of League of Legends, isn't speaking up and being like, "I do not support this," uh, and if other if players, if fans, if everybody isn't speaking up to uh, to talk about how this is wrong, this doesn't happen. Like, Riot is still has that partnership. Riot is still then supporting, um, or maybe not, maybe not supporting, but partnered with Saudi and, and Neom and essentially contributing to the atrocities going on there. And so this is very much an example of why being vocal works and why you got to talk about these things and why you got to have these conversations and why you got to like study and research and be involved because it's things like that that is then going to going to allow for, uh, uh, again, big companies to be held accountable. And so once again, you'll love to see it. Yeah, uh, you'll love to see it. Story number five this is our last new story for today. Uh, a heads up. CD Projekt Red says there's no beta following. Uh, there's no beta following an email scam attempt. Uh, this is from Joe Scrabbles at IGN, and this is more so of a PSA more than anything. CD Projekt Red has made clear that it has no plans for a Cyberpunk 2077 beta after scam emails appear to offer recipients the chance to join one. On Twitter, the Cyberpunk 2077 account made clear that recent emails promising beta access were not legitimate. The developer also made clear that any official communication to fans or content creators would come from a cdprojectred.com address, never from a third party. It's not clear what the scammers were, were hoping to gain from the unsuspecting cyberpunk fans, but it seems like it seems likely that it would have asked for login details, uh, login details for gaming accounts. It goes without saying that you should be vigilant for anyone trying to trying the same in your email inbox. When asked if there are any official plans for Cyberpunk 2077 beta, the account replied, quote, we do not have plans for that. Sorry. So there you go. If you've been getting emails about a Cyberpunk 2077 beta, delete them emails because they are false. Um, I, I, I found this to be interesting, one, because of that. Two, because we get confirmation that there's probably not going to be a Cyberpunk beta. But then also, what, what irony, right? Like the fact that the company getting hacked and scammed here uh, is Cyberpunk 2077, right? Like the, the project that's all about the future and hacking and scamming and all that shit. It's funny. It is, it fun. is kind of funny. Also, y'all, I just want to play it. So if somebody's out there listening, let me play the damn game. God. November. It's almost Every, here. No, 
I want to play it before that. Y'all said, I want to play it before that. I'm tired of this. I need to play it. Like, I just need to look at all the things. I need to know. I need to know what the hype is. Like, I do like cyberpunk it, shit. I want to play it. I want to. Is that it. your your most anticipated game this year right now? Well, yeah. Well, Psychonauts, but, you know, they pushed it back. So mm -hmm. whatever. I'm just going to sit here. Yeah, I think cyberpunk is definitely, for me, my top game that I'm waiting to see what it's going to be. And I don't even like single player games at really? all. No. What are the what are the games you play? I mean, like right now I'm playing Grounded, which I love. I'm kind of like having a good time on it. Oh. I like to play Dead by Daylight. I like to play Overwatch. I mean, I like to play things with my friends because I right now we're trapped in our houses. So like squad gaming has become my thing, like having experiences with my homies because I can't touch anybody because we're all trying to die right now if we are out hanging with our friends. So single player games put me to sleep. Also, I have wildly unchecked ADHD and I have three children. Blessing. I have three, two toddlers. I don't well, got time for that. <laughs> I, I want you to I want you to sell me on grounded because I know I know Greg Miller talks about it a lot because he's been playing it. But like it, I and I have it downloading on my Xbox One X. We're gonna play it speak. together. I'm going I, to stay on top of you about playing it. It's crazy. Can you, can you sell it to me? Because like I'm not everything I've heard about grounded as far as like the type of game it is doesn't necessarily speak to me. Like I am not a survival game person, but like this I don't is think the Greg game, Miller is either. And so, like, this is if he's the game for it. not survival people, Blessing. This is your time to shine. Mm -hmm. Like, what are, you can be a full nerd in here, okay? You can, like, you can sit around and, like, build a base. You can go fight things. You can, like, literally, we could just roll up and beat some spider ass if we're feeling, like, a little bit thuggish. We can go fight ants. You can work with science. You can do all kinds of fun little things. Like, there's literally something in this for everybody. I... I love it. I, I like Ark, which is, you know, a huge MMO survival game. Like, it's a mm. big one. And for me, this was like the kiddie version of Ark, almost. Except for it's just so Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, you know, hanging out and you're small and trying to survive in this big world. And it's cute and it's fun. You know, I mean, definitely a, a fun game to play with friends. Like, I, and it's a fun way to find out where your friends really are. Because I'll tell you what, you know, I turned around and people weren't with me a lot during this game. <laughs> There's okay. people over here building a house while I'm like getting jumped by ants and nobody's coming to save me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know who your real friends are playing this game. But I definitely think it's fun. I think uh, it's fresh. It's something different. And it actually gets really like involved in the crafting, et cetera, in the game, which I really like. And like ant armor makes things way less. Like there's really cool depth to this mm. game that I wasn't expecting. I've only played it for like, you know, eight straight hours <laughs> without stopping. But um, I think it's definitely in the running for me as my like top game that's come out this year. And it's adorable. And I love the diversity in the game. We've got brown people. You know, I'm here for that. Like we've got a brown woman in the game. Well, she's a she's a teen. They're all teens. But we've got some diversity. Are they, are they, do you create your own character or are there actual characters that you choose? It's two brown and two uh, ambiguous flavors of Caucasian. <laughs> Interesting. And so okay. you can pick like a brown boy or a brown girl or a white guy or like, you know, she could be racially ambiguous. She could be Asian. She could be white. We're not really sure. You know, they kind of mm -hmm. threw her in there to look, you know, a little whatever. But I feel like there was some representation here. The game's fun to play. It's like a whole mix. For me, it hits every like level of something fun I'm looking to do with my friends and a great way to like just immerse yourself in a cool world and pretend like we're not living through 2020. How how are the spiders? Because I actually do have a fear of like the creepy crawlies, uh, and that's actually one of the things that be, that's been keeping me from actually wanting to boot it up. Because I know at a certain point I'm going to encounter a spider and like throw my controller through my TV. Um, there are a lot. 
Oh no. <laughs> They're locked. You can turn it off though. So they have an arachnophobia mode and you can like remove the legs stuff that's like it's it's like a whole thing and they're also working on a colorblind accessibility uh mode as well i like that they're really into that shit like hey sell me the accessibility sell me all the options like the fact that they thought about people with arachnophobia is pretty cool because so many people are terrified of spiders but this is fantastic because not only can they turn that off but they can still enjoy the game with their friends and it doesn't like change the outcome of the game so i'm here for it so you we can turn it off for you blessing we'll do whatever makes you feel all more right. comfortable that does make me feel more comfortable. Uh, okay. Zombie, I'm very excited to one day play Grounded. <laughs> Even more excited for you to one day uh, play Cyberpunk 2077. But that day is probably so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to Mama Grop Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform, as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show, hosts each and every Wednesday. Weekday. Is... Each and every weekday, sorry. There is... you go. <laughs> Yeah. Out today, we got Buried Stars for PS4 and Switch, uh, Hellpoint for PS4, Xbox One, PC, and Mac, Nowhere Profit for PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, Yakuza Kiwami 2 for Xbox One, Fight Crab for PC, which I've actually played a little bit of. Is, that the, kind of fun. is, is that the one with the giant crabs and they're, they're holding like knives yes. and shit? What? Yep, that, it is the behind the back fighting game where you're, you're playing as a crab each uh analog stick controls a different limb on the crab and you're essentially swinging and trying to fight uh another crab and like flip it on its back and and, and murder it it's a ridiculous game it is a very ridiculous game um it's, in fact Barry, pull up a, I'm, I'm gonna keep reading out today pull up a trailer because we're gonna watch a trailer for fight crab. I, i'm on it thank you uh also out today we got merchant of the skies for xbox one and switch mobile suit gundam versus maxi boost on for ps4 Dragon Blaze for PC, Heroes of the Hammerwatch Ultimate Edition for P for uh, Switch, Hotel Souls or Sowls, I don't know how to say that word. Hotel S O W L S, how we pronounce that for Switch, Kingdom Rush for Switch, Sentinels of Freedom for Switch, Locomotion for Switch, Spiral Memoria the Summer, Meet Myself for Switch, Imagination Practice for PC and Mac. Pandora, Chains of Chaos for PC, Sprout for PC, Thousand Threads for PC, Into a Dream for PC and Mac, Liberated for PC, Factory, Ru Factory Runner for PC, Egg Rabbit for PC, and then PUBG Update 8.1 8 is now available on console and Stadia. Uh, new dates for you. We have Darkestville Castle. Uh, that's coming to PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch on the 13th of August. Pascal's Wager, Tides of Obl Oblivion expansion launches August 20th. The Sky of Four Complete Plus has been announced and is coming fall 2020 on Game Pass, PC, and Steam. Moon is coming out on Switch on August 27th, and I highly recommend people check out the trailer for Moon uh, because that game looks actually pretty cool. Uh, and then lastly, Microsoft Flight Simulator will launch on will launch on Steam and VR support is coming later this year as part of a free update. Uh, right now, Bear Court is showing Fight Crab, which is available right now on PC. And yeah, the game... Looks ridiculous. And let me tell you, the game also plays ridiculous. And so I need this. I would play this 100%. This is a game of the year contender right here. I'm just saying. If what you're watching appeals to you, then yes, I would recommend check it out. I just want to be a crab with knives, slaying nunchucks. Like, this, it, is, it, this is incredible. It was one of those ones too where I, I was playing it and I was like, all right. I see where y'all going with this one. And I really respect the effort. And I, res I respect the gimmick and I respect it all. I don't think I'm going to play it ever again because it, it is one of those ones where it's like, it, it's it was a fun experience to, to experience once. 
but I don't know how I don't know how much there is there, you know, like past the first let's say hour or so of playing. You, um, you heard it here. Blessings hit it and quit it with fight crabs. I did hit it. You heard and quit it here it. first. But he hit it. I'll, and quit I'll it. Say one. I don't know if there's multiplayer, but if there is multiplayer, that could possibly be fun because I didn't play the multiplayer, and I feel like it, I feel like that could be a big part of it. And so, take my word with a grain of salt. Now it's time for Rito Mail. You can write into patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where you can get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by Brooke Lennon. You've probably heard us talk about Brooke Lennon before. They're the, they're the home of the internet's favorite sheets, but their towels, they're also amazing. They give, you the, they give you your daily routine a little something. Wait, hold on. Let me say it all again because I need to make this clear, right? Brooke Lennon gives your daily routine a little something extra. And with varying levels of plushness, the towel of your dreams is waiting to wrap you up. And with all this extra time at home, it might be nice to invest in a little extra softness and absorbency. Kind of Funny's own Greg Miller loves Brooklyn and towels. Uh, he says they're super soft and big. He also says that they dry them off and cover his shame. If you've been looking for ways to turn your bathroom into a miniature spa, Brooklinen's towels can help you find your zen. Brooklinen is the perfect place to find all the comforts for your home, including ultra-soft towels. They're so confident in their product that everything comes with a lifetime warranty. Use promo code GAMES for 10% off your first order uh, at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code GAMES. Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. Zombie kills. Yes. I got I got a few questions I can choose from. I feel like we only have time for one, maybe two. Okay, do it. Let's and let's, so, let's speed hmm. let's speed run it. Let's speed do, run. Now, do you want to talk about do you want to talk about uh Avengers Avengers, the Avengers game that's coming out? Do you want to talk about uh Sekiro? Squadrons. Squadrons. You want to talk about squadrons? Let's talk about squadrons. 100%. BJ Bernardo writes in and says, Hi, y'all. With the news that Star Wars Squadrons will be the exact same game on next gen as on old gen, I got a, I, I got a question about the future. I'm assuming that the game will, be, will still look better on next gen. Uh, it'll just have no extra modes or expanded stuff. With smart delivery and backwards compatibility a thing now, do we still expect more out of games beyond a boost of graphics slash performance? Thanks, BJ. Now, to add some clarity to this, right? Uh, it was recently revealed that Star Wars Squadron is not going to have a next gen version. It will it'll, it'll just be backwards compatible on next gen, uh, meaning that we're not going to get any like new or like updated content. But it will be boosted um, at the very least, hopefully uh, through next gen. And so with that, let me ask you, actually, Zombie Kills, before even before I get to the actual question, are you excited for Star Wars Squadrons? I am literally so excited. You have no idea. <laughs> like, I'm so excited. I have a whole flight simulation setup, blessing. So, mm. like, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm also very excited about it. That is, at this point, probably one of my most anticipated games for the rest of the year. Even though, like, I don't think it's necessarily going to be the best game for the rest of the year. I'm still, like, very excited about it because it looks very fun. Um, with all that said, what do you expect out of a next-gen I guess re-release or like version of a game, um, because as far as we understand, right, we got smart delivery, we have backwards compatibility, and, and to add more clarity, those are two different things. Smart delivery means you're getting a new version of a game for next gen, and you are going to own all versions of that game through smart delivery. Right. And so, like whatever it, whatever Cyberpunk Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is for next gen, that is going to take advantage of the Xbox Series X, and whether that means. Uh, SSD or ray tracing or whatever it is, that is taking advantage of the Xbox Series X and you're going to have all versions of that game. Whereas back to compatibility just allows you to play an old game with maybe some boosted elements, who knows. 
what do you what do you look for when it comes to a next gen version of a game? I just want it to look better. I think people are like asking too much. They're like, oh, well, next gen, we should get new stuff. And I'm like, y'all let these devs live. Like, like I just want the game to look better. I mean, next gen's right around the corner. When we're getting squadrons, is going to be right around the same time that it's launching. For us to expect a whole bunch of new stuff is just being a little greedy. Let's just hope that our game looks beautiful. Let's hope that it plays well, you know, and that we have these super enhanced graphics that we're all looking for. And I'm good with that. Like, I don't feel like we need to get, oh, oh, it's next gen. So now I also want bonus. Let's focus on taking everything to the next levels graphics wise. I know you, you men, you love the, I want it so crisp, like my eyes bleed. So like, let's do that first, you know? Yeah. I think as far as Star Wars Squadrons, BJ Bernardo, don't, ha don't hold out too much hope that is going to be any sort of dynamically different when it's backwards, backwards compatible. Like, on the PlayStation side, they've talked a lot about boosting, uh, specifically during that Mark Cerny presentation uh, where they talked about the hardware and all that stuff. Like, you can expect the game to maybe, you know, look better and maybe take advantage of certain things. Like, maybe load times will be uh, cut down due to the SSD. But as far as I understand, like, every game might take advantage of that stuff differently. Um, and so I wouldn't hold out hopes that, like, Star Wars Squadron is going to be dynamically different. That said, as far as, like like new versions of games so let's go back to the cyberpunk example or even like a spider-man example right like if spider-man came out uh on ps5 like marvel spider-man 2018 uh if that game came out on ps5 i'm expecting that game to one like cut down dynamically on load times one because they've talked a lot about that but then also because of the ssd right i'm expecting that game to look better maybe run smoother um i'm expect i'm expecting actual like Again, not anything life changing, but stuff that uh, would make th make that game like worth even replaying. Um, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to uh, out of games yeah, that are coming for games pretty. that are coming out next gen. We yeah. just want pretty. We just want pretty, y'all. Like, let's lower our expectations and chill. Like, been tough on everybody. Hard on these. I'm gonna pull in one more question from Chance Carter, who writes in and says, "From Software has released new information on an update coming to Sekiro in October." While the new content does seem fun and gives me gives me a reason to jump back into the game, um, I can't help but to feel another huge missed opportunity from so from from from. from uh, I can't help but feel another huge missed opportunity by FromSoft to add an accessibility option to the most critically successful game. I can't be the mo I can't be the only one whose mind immediately jumped to this when when I first read the headline. If Miyazaki won't add this option to his Game of the Year winner, will he ever? I'm not to more levels of in love, but I do love his teams and his, or I do love his games and his team's games, and I want everyone to get a chance to enjoy them. This is an interesting question. Uh, I don't know if you are you at all into the From Software games, like the Dark Souls yes. and all that. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I think I think adding accessibility options to your game should be a given at this point. I think that we've come too far as like game consumers to not believe that everybody should have accessibility options to gaming in general, right? Like. I, I just, I, I can't believe we're still even having questions about accessibility. And I can't still believe that in 2020 games are coming out without like the full rigmarole of accessibility options, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you. And I think over the last few years, uh, we've come such a long way in this conversation, like to the point where, and I, and I think like Celeste is one of the games we have to thank for it because Celeste was the game that came out with the assist mode and everybody took notice of that as something that was amazing for that game. And I think that, that 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 to me was the small was the small snowball that like rolled into the huge 
uh, I guess, bigger snowball that is The Last of Us Part Two, and what we saw with accessibility in that game and how they put that thing front and center and allowed you to customize so much. Um, I think we're only going to see that more and more. And also, like, frankly, Sekiro, I think, was also another big talking point in what this conversation is because Sekiro is the game where it's all about difficulty. It is all about um, uh, like this specific vision that Miyazaki and his team has for making their games, you know, hard to get through, right? And like making it a journey to get through, making it like this experience to get through. And I think the big takeaway for me from that conversation is like accessibility means way more than adding an easy mode or a normal mode to the, to a game, right? Like yep. I think, yep. I, I, and I, I think that's the thing that kind of needs to translate across the board is. I'm fine with Souls games and, and FromSoft games and games in general, like not having an easy mode if that's not their vision for it. Like I'm fine with them not having a normal mode, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they shouldn't have accessibility, right? Like the goal, yeah. the goal you should have with accessibility from there is allowing anybody to be able to play that game and experience that same level of difficulty. And so that does, like, I think a FromSoft game would benefit a lot from an assist mode or benefit a lot from having similar options as we see from things like Last of Us, right? Whether that is like a colorblind thing that turns everything uh, uh, you know, red and, and blue or whatever, uh, in order to like make things clear on on where enemies are, or like whether that whether that is like allowing you to increase how many hits you can take or whatever, right? Like that doesn't yeah. ne- that that doesn't necessarily have to be like a throw an easy mode in your game and compromise your vision. Like it, it accessibility really is about rolling in those options into your vision and allowing allowing anybody to be able to be able to play those games. Yeah, I I want to see that. I'm, I'm with you, like. If you don't want to make your game easy, don't make your game easy, right? But yeah, like you're cutting yourself out of money if you don't make it accessible. That's all I'm saying. If you don't yes. make your game accessible in 2020, you're just losing out on money. So, so we can all play it. I don't care about easy. I'll die a million times and look at Cuphead. I hate that game, but I love it so much. <laughs> like, I, you know, I'll, I'll play it. Make it accessible. Just make your games accessible. Going forward, there shouldn't be a studio alive that doesn't do that. And yeah, to Chance Carter's question of will he ever, like talking about Miyazaki, right? Will he ever add uh, these options? I think like at this point with Sekiro, I don't, I mean, he's still updating it. So who knows? You know, if you're adding this update, who knows what else you're working on? Um, I think we will get to the point though, where from soft games uh, and those types of games add those options. Because I think, I think at a certain point, like, right, we're at, we're at the point where this year, the biggest game that has come out this year has had a, a breadth of those options available. And if that's the case, I think, more and more, we're going to see criticism for games that don't have those options. And I think with that being the case, um, there will, developers will, will find it necessary to, to add those options in their game. So I think we'll see it. I think we'll yeah. see it. It's representation, Blessings. You and I want to see Black people in games. Mm-hmm. And people who are disabled want to be able to see themselves. You know, like They want to be able to have the same access to games that we want to have to games. It's just a different type of representation in a, a different scale. They want to just be able to even play the game. It, it's only right, you know? Now it's time to squat up. Uh, Brandon in Atlanta writes in with a squat up on Xbox and says, I'm loving the first few days of Grounded, but I've kind of hit a wall. A wall that I built and now needs, need, and now need to build doors in. I need, wed- I need weed stems. But to cut down weeds, you have to kill big-ass bugs and uh, to get the parts to make a better axe. My tiny, shirk- my tiny shrunken ass, I keep reading this as shuriken, even though it's shrunken. My tiny shrunken ass keeps getting gored by spiders and bombardier beater- beetles. 
and I need to kill a few Bombardier Beetles and Ladybugs to make the wave I need to keep building my base. Let's get shrunk together. Uh, you can add Brandon in Atlanta on Xbox with the username Engine25. That is Engine, the number 25, all one word. Now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where you write in. Let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong. Uh, Bala just says, can Zombie Kills say what the Black-owned comic shop was? It was Offbeat and Jackson. So Offbeat JXN on Twitter. Uh, Nanobiologist just also says, uh, yes, the Blitzchunk uh, controversy happened last year in October. Uh, Frank Furter says, Miss New Date, Hyperscape is coming to console on August 11th. Oh, that is very exciting because I was actually very much looking forward to that. And so that is exciting. Uh, let's see. And then lastly, oh, hold on, hold on. Actually, I'm not reading that one. Uh, Zombie Kills, thank you so much for joining me. This is great. Thank, this is awesome. Thank, I loved it. I love getting to spend time with you. I'm going to harass I, you to play Grounded with me. We will play Grounded. Uh, Zombie, kill, uh, Zombie Kills, where can people find you uh, if they want to watch your content? You can find me on Twitter. I'm Zombie Kills, Z-O-M-B-A-E-K-I-L-L-Z. I'm Zombie Kills on Twitch. Zombie Kills on Instagram. I pretty much have some really solid branding, guys. So you can find me anywhere. Just type my name in and Google. There you go. And of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games <laughs> Daily, each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. Tomorrow, Greg is joined uh, on the show by Major Nelson. So tune in for that. Otherwise, until next time, Game Daily. <laughs>